Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics, a podcast dedicated to exploring how things get places and the people who get them there. We'll talk with logistics and supply chain leaders about innovation, industry trends, and the future of the logistics business. Now, here's your host, Joe Lynch. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics podcast. My name is Joe Lynch. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today's topic is tech is the game changer for truckload shipping communication with my pal, Mitch Violet. Welcome, Mitch. Joe, thank you for having me. So I've always said, even 10 years ago when it was not so much tech oriented, I've always said that communication is the game changer in the shipping business, in the logistics business, because poor communication was always there. And more and more, it's becoming communication still important, but now it's whether it's done by a technology or done by people. And I think we're going to hit on a lot of that today. So Mitch, before we go any further, please introduce yourself and your company. Yeah. So my name is Mitch. I work at a company called Convoy. We are a digital freight network that moves thousands of loads around the U.S. and work with a number of high-value companies here in the United States. I love what I do. Love Convoy, love technology in the shipping industry and figuring out how to mix those. So where do you live? I currently live in the Seattle area and have been here for, man, just a little over a decade now. Nice, nice. Mitch, where did you grow up? I originally grew up in Montana. So I'm a Montana farm boy, you know, born and raised small town, less than a thousand people, kind of in north central Montana. So grew up around, you know, large machinery, equipment, trucks, uh, combines, all that good stuff. Got an engineering degree at one point. Like my plan was to get an engineering degree to kind of get away from it to some degree and do something different. But here we are at at Convoy with uh, tech and heavy machinery. So it's full circle. You tried to get away, but they keep bringing you back. <laughs> exactly. So tell, give us some career highlights. First off, where'd you get that engineering degree? Then give us some career highlights before you joined Convoy. Yeah. So uh, I got my undergrad degree in industrial engineering from Montana State University. And really with that, it, it's all about how do I make things faster, better, cheaper, right? Like process improvements in the engineering world. Um, so that was my undergrad From there, I got my first job out of college at the Department of Defense, actually, at the Puget Sound Naval Shipyard. There, I was a nuclear test engineer, spent a lot of time understanding the nuclear reactor, and mainly the job was building test plans, making sure that the reactor is performing well, and that we understand how to refuel the reactor once it comes into dry dock. It was super interesting. You know, I got to work on submarines and aircraft carriers. It wasn't necessarily my cup of tea in terms of speed of processes and, you know, willingness to things, right? It's not an industry you want to break things in. I definitely like trying new stuff out. So where'd you go from there? So from there, I moved over to Boeing. So kind of you get the Seattle, Puget Sound area thing going on here. But I moved over to Boeing for about five and a half years. Number of roles in that area from individual contributor, kind of engineering roles to product development of new airplanes. And then also some management roles on the 787 program. Again, kind of the theme of, you know, responsible for rate and flow reductions. So how do we build airplanes for faster and cheaper and kind of continue to grow my chops in the process improvement world? Definitely tech, but not the kind of tech we're used to. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So it's more about like on the manufacturing floor, working directly with the operators to build out the planes. How do we make sure that they have the tools that they need, the processes that they need to follow to build efficiently? Uh, so a ton of fun, a lot of really cool stuff. But again, not really a software, not really fast-paced world and always had that itch to move to a startup. And obviously, you know, Boeing and the Department of Defense aren't screaming startup on a resume. So what was your next move? 
Yeah. So at that point, I was like, I'm going to go get my MBA. I kind of wanted a career change to some degree and figured that would be the easiest way for me, having been kind of in that manufacturing world for so long, to try to make that career switch. So I got my MBA from the University of Washington while I was working at Boeing. That was the kind of the key to getting over and switching industries. I got an opportunity to work at Amazon. At the time, I was like, hey, I want to do something totally different. Get out of this operations, heavy machinery world. I had originally applied to Amazon Video. Something totally different. I thought that was the place to go. Fortunately and unfortunately, Amazon's like, you don't know anything about video. So why would we put you there? So, you know, good choice by them. They came back and were like, hey, look, we have this opportunity. We're, we're going to see if we can deliver packages in one to two hours. At the time, I was like, who needs something in one to two hours? That seems ridiculous, right? Like, I can get my stuff tomorrow or the next day. That seems totally fine. But, you know, I wanted my foot in the door. I was like, it sounds like an interesting problem. Let's let's see where it takes me. I'm so glad I did that. I loved every minute of it. But really what it did, it gave me, basically got me into the launch team or the founding team of Amazon Flex. And Amazon Flex, for those that aren't familiar, is our tagline was the Uber for package delivery. So any individual in their Toyota Prius or whatever vehicle they had could very easily sign up to deliver packages with Amazon. They used the app, which I was responsible for, to get told where to go pick up from a station, how to pick up, what to pick up, and then we guided them through the entire route. And so today you're probably seeing many random vehicles show up at your house to deliver packages to some degree. And that's the Amazon Flex program. It really took off. I'll be honest, I didn't think it was going to. Originally, you know, when we first started, the way to get drivers, we actually put a $25 gift card ad in Craigslist and said, hey, we want to try this new thing. Let's see if we can get some people. Surprisingly, a lot of people are interested in $25 gift cards to Amazon. So that was cool. But I still remember our very first driver that I installed the app on. He came in, he's like, yeah, I just bought the smartphone. I don't know how to use it, but I wanted a $25 gift card. And I was like, oh man, this is going to fail pretty hard. But lo and behold, four or five years later, we went from single driver to the technology being used to deliver every package that Amazon delivers. So whether it's Amazon Flex or the blue vans with the smile on the side that you see, they're all using the app that me and my team were responsible for. And we got to solve a ton of super interesting and super cool problems from the logistics standpoint, but integrating technology, understanding human behavior. Um, and it's not a space that a lot of tech companies get into. And so I found it super interesting. The problems are extremely challenging. As an example that some people probably know, order an Amazon package and you see the picture of the package at your front door. Like that's a feature that I can very closely relate to people who've seen that. That's a feature that we worked on directly through our app. And so I could go into hours of all of the problems we had just with that feature, but super cool feature. And it was a ton of fun to work at Amazon. So how did you end up leaving Amazon and ending up over at Convoy? Yeah. So I always had that startup pitch, like I mentioned, and we'd grown so big as kind of the last mile company. It was really just chatting with people that I knew, ended up having a few friends that were at Convoy. And so for me, it was really, at that point, I loved what I was doing at Amazon. But for me, it was more of a kind of regret minimization type of conversation. I knew that if I didn't try it, didn't see if I could go help grow a business, do something a little smaller and see if we could make it big, that I, I would always regret it. Man, you've worked at two of the freight juggernauts. Congratulations. <laughs> this is good career management here, Mitch. So today's topic, again, is tech is the game changer for truckload shipping communication. So when we were prepping for this podcast, Mitch, we talked about four phases of each shipment. So there's this upfront, number one, which is the booking, quoting. And then number two, we talked about kind of the pre-transit. 
Then number three, we talked about in transit. And then the last phase we talked about was like closing up the shipment. So what I want to do is I want to talk about all the problems that we see in each one of these phases. And I want to talk about how technology can be used to solve some of those communication problems. Sounds good. So the first phase is kind of this quoting and booking phase. Talk about what goes wrong in that phase. Communication wise. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, for any of your shippers that are listening, they know this process can be time consuming. It's non-standard. It can be clunky, right? So you have your, your list of trusted carriers. You have knowledge that you've gained over time that Joe likes email, Sally likes calling, Jane likes texting. And really all that learning is for how do I get a response as fast as possible so that I can quickly make a determination of who's best for me on this individual shipment. And so, as you can imagine, going back and forth, trying to understand who's going to provide what rate, putting all that information together on your side to say like, okay, it looks like, you know, Sally's the best in this instance. Let me, let me call Sally back and say, we're good to go. Call Sally back. She's like, oh, sorry, that was four hours ago. I already got a shipment booked now. I can't help you anymore. So, you know, it's just a kind of a clunky process that has a lot of inefficiencies. Right. So what can be done with technology? What do you guys do with technology to solve some of that, kind of streamline that process? You know, we believe speed and transparency is key here. From a speed perspective, we want to give you a quote as fast as possible. So we have instant quote. You can go to convoy.com, type in where you're picking up from, where you're delivering to, and we can give you an instant quote that we hold to. But also from the transparency angle, as part of that, we directly tell you very simply right in front of your face in the product that says like, hey, look, we are below market in this instance. We may be at market in some other instance, and we may be even above market in other instances. And we want to let you know that, hey, you may be able to find someone that's better on this lane, right? Just How do you express that? As part of that process, when you go in, you're typing in your to and from, your shipment and details, you'll immediately get a, a little slider that shows the rate is below market, at market, or above market. And you can quickly and easily see that on a little sliding scale, just right as part of that process. Very nice. Very nice. So you guys got enough data about the market. So you say, look, at which this price should be lower. It's traditionally lower based on all our data. It should be lower. But right now, today, it's a little over. And you're still working on it if you can, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, using all our historical data, you know, we can be confident in that price that we provide. So it's once we give it to you, we're going to hold true to that. We're not going to go back on our word. We know our, our density of carrier supply in, on those lanes. And we use all of the historical data, you know, to give you very transparent rates. And so you as a shipper can make the determination. If we're a little bit higher, but you still want to go with us, and we hope you do, we're going to service your shipment to the highest quality possible, like we do with every shipment that we get. But we also want to make sure that we're transparent so you don't feel like you're misled. That's pretty cool because, again, there is a lot of back and forth. And, again, I think people have convinced them. And I'll say this way back in when I first started in this business, there seemed to be a lot of people would love to send emails out to I send out an email list to 100 carriers, and then they all respond back. Some of them call me, some of them text, whatever. And supposedly that gets you your best rate. And I've never been a fan of that because I like committed business relationships. I don't like the idea of dating. I like the idea of being married. So I think that back and forth, it's just, it can, time's a, time's a wasting. Absolutely. So let's talk about the second phase. So the second phase is this pre-transit. It's when they've said, yes, we're going to use you, but we haven't put it on the truck yet. So talk about that phase. What are some of the communication problems that are there? I think the pre-transit phase is one that's probably actually least talked about in the industry. It's really mostly about getting appointments and doc scheduling, right? 
So if you think about it, it's like, okay, we've got the shipment, you got a great rate, awesome. But now it's like, how do we make sure that we're meeting the shipper and customer needs and expectations of picking up on day A, delivering on day B, making sure we're getting them the inventory when they need it. And that really comes down to how do you secure appointments at those facilities in a speedy, in a kind of accurate time frame. And so you can think of the faster you do it, the higher likelihood you have of securing those appointments. And, and any time that you waste trying to understand and go back and forth and get details, it prevents you from potentially getting that appointment time. In that vein, like each facility is not created equal, right? Some prefer TMS, some prefer calling, some prefer email to set their appointments. And so you need to know that as a carrier, as a broker, like how to best do that. You may not know who the right person is, but you send an email, you think things are all good, but the person you sent it to doesn't care, right? They're doing other things. They have a job and appointment schedule and it's not one of them. And so while you think they're helping secure an appointment, really it's just an empty email sitting somewhere that no one's acting on. So how can you fix that with tech? We want to be as fast as possible. And so what that means is pulling tech in. As a shipper, you have different technology needs. Facilities have different technology capabilities. And so what we do is we, we try to blend the technical and human capital together. If you're a TMS, we'll build TMS integrations and the ability to book appointments directly there. Pull out the repeatable, the mundane from the human. Help them be able to do more with less and really spend the time on the high judgment calls, the stuff where there's problems, where there's escalations that are needed to make something happen. Let's, let's prioritize their time there versus kind of doing the same thing over and over where we can, we can make that happen instantaneously to really give us a higher likelihood of booking those appointments. Nice, nice. So how do you make this attractive for the carriers? Yeah, attractiveness is important, right? As a carrier, last thing you want is to hold on to a four-hour drive type shipment for four days. That doesn't make any sense. And so really the first key to that is the speed of getting those appointment times, right? If we're not fast in acting to get a dock slot, if you will, the likelihood is you got to reschedule, you move out the delivery to get the next available time. And next thing you know, you're having the carrier sit there for three days holding on to your shipment. And no one's really happy with that. So it's really about how do we make that process as fast as possible from the time the shipper says, let's go to making sure that we got those appointments booked. Very nice. Very nice. So let's talk about the next phase, which is when it's in transit, when the shipment is actually picked up and it's on the way to the receiver. What are the communication problems there? Yeah, the in-transit phase is one everyone is super familiar with, right? It's how do I know where my stuff is, when it's going to show up, right? The ETA to arrival. And so while that sounds simple and everyone says they have real-time visibility today, really the problems with it is a lot of check calls, dispatchers to drivers, carriers trying to update TMSs, send email updates. There's still a level of transparency that kind of gets shielded there by, you know, the guise of real-time visibility, but it's, it's not necessarily real-time visibility. So let's talk about visibility for just a second. So again, if somebody says, I can give you real-time visibility and I'm doing it with phone calls, and I suspect people are still doing that, right? So I'm going to call the driver or the dispatcher. <laughs> That's That would be, I'll call that the lowest level, right? And then talk about some of the technology ways that you can do, because visibility constantly comes up. And I think when we talked about this offline, I always say there's a spectrum, there's one to 10. Everybody says they have visibility, but they're not all doing it the same. So talk about some of the ways that it's being, visibility is being managed today. Yeah, absolutely. So you're right. The kind of lowest level is those check calls, call the driver, get a, their approximation of when they're going to arrive. Oftentimes those are going to be optimistic. 
So as you kind of progress through that scale of visibility there, you're going to have other apps that are attempting to be used for location collection. You have ELDs coming into play. But even in that realm, they're not always being used, right? The incentive isn't always there to do so. Convo try to pride ourselves and we have a bunch of incentives that really push extremely high app use, such as quick pay. So, you know, the ability to get paid immediately for your shipment with no factoring as long as you have location on the entire time and are using the app and another of other things. I've talked to somebody else about uh, Convoy before, and I heard one of the drivers won't, after they've worked with a shipper through Convoy, and the shipper tries to go around Convoy, the, the carrier says, no thanks because I can get paid the next day when working with Convoy. So I'm not interested in cutting them out of the, which is pretty attractive because, you know, generally speaking, uh, if a shipper reaches out to a carrier, there's a good chance that they'll be open to that discussion. Yes, everyone wants to know the location, right? Location tracking is a key buzzword. Absolutely, it's required to do this. But really, it's about, you know, think of the downstream impacts of what is attempting to be done. It's location tracking for the purposes of getting an ETA, but really even further downstream, it's for the purposes of managing my facility efficiently and making sure that we're reacting to if and when issues arise. Like That's kind of the cycle that really is happening there. And so we call it proactive notification. So talk about visibility in terms of ETA, because I think sometimes this gets missed. When we talk about visibility, the reason I want to know where that truck is, because I want to know the ETA. I know like when somebody says, hey, that's two hours out. I mean, let's just say it's 120 miles out and approximately two hours away. But there's a difference between when I'm out in Montana, where you grew up, versus driving in LA or Chicago or New York. So talk about how do you guys manage that calculation? Yeah. Behind the scenes, you know, obviously ETA, to your point, is, is exactly what people want, but it needs to be an accurate ETA. And so we spend a lot of time on, you know, machine learning models to add on top of that ETA. So taking into account the dwell time at a facility, the time of day, day of week, traffic, the historical quality of a carrier and a driver themselves, all to make sure that as a technology capability, we can provide our internal operations with basically a spectrum of risk of that shipment that says, hey, we have problems, let's go act immediately, we see it already, they're running two hours late, let's make sure we contact the facility, let the shipper know, see if we can get it worked in, is there a way to reschedule that appointment? Or maybe there's just a, hey, let's keep track of this one, there's potentially an issue, but I think we can resolve that, it's probably not a big deal. So we want to make sure we give that visibility, right? And we're going to make sure from a service perspective, we've done everything we possibly can upstream to set this thing up for success, but it's freight. There's issues that go wrong. And so when they go wrong, we want to make sure that we're being proactive. We're notifying the shipper and making sure that they feel like we're on it. We want to make sure that we're their partner they go to when issues happen. Obviously, you can get traffic data and pull that into your system. And then what do you do with that traffic data? I'm just curious how far the technology is going. So we have a machine learning model that uses and pulls in traffic as well as time of day, historical you know, dwell time at the pick facility, delivery facility, whatever it may be, so that we can calculate like how long until that driver arrives, right? Other things like hours of service, does that come into play? What's the day of week, time of year, right? Seasonality to play. All, all of that stuff is something that ultimately has to be taken into account so that you can predict when something's going to go wrong. Well, and so much of that, I mean, not so long ago was the best you could get is anecdotal. Like, hey, it's Friday afternoon and you're driving into a major city. I know that's going to be a little harder, right? right? Very interesting. So you're using a lot of data. So the last phase we talked about is this closing out the shipment. So this is after it's arrived. So talk about that phase. What are the communication problems that you see in that space? 
Yeah. So in this phase, right, from a shipper perspective, you want proof of delivery as soon as you can. You want access to those documents. You want to be able to know that the shipment is officially closed out. From a carrier perspective, you want to get paid. As we talked about, kind of quick pay, we have incentives that if you follow, having location on, you upload your documents, you will get quick pay within immediately as long as you're following those requirements and there's no factoring. So again, a positive benefit from that perspective. And then again, just in the kind of theme that's going on here, not everyone's standard. So some people will fax it over. Some people, you know, will tell you that it's done via TMS status update, but you still don't have the documentation. So you have to like, you have to call back. There's churn. There's that back and forth communication to get what you need to make sure that everything's going well. So talk about detention. This is one of my industry pet peeves is I remember receiving you know, you get a quote and then you get the invoice and it's the same as the quote and you're like, cool. And then three weeks later, you get another bill that says, oh, this is for detention on that shipment you did about six weeks ago. Remember? And the answer is, no, I don't remember. <laughs> and I have no data on that. All I'm getting is, hey, I call the receiver. Do you remember six weeks ago, that guy who delivered and he said that he waited too long? Oh, you didn't? Okay, I'll call him back and say that he didn't. <laughs> I hate that. I think detention should be communicated same day or it doesn't exist. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, to go along with kind of app use and location tracking there, right? We require that location on to get hassle-free detention as a carrier, which means we have a geo's timestamp proof of arrival to that facility, which is immediate because they're using that location tracking on the app. As a shipper, we can send you a notification that says like, hey, this carrier is starting to accrue detention, right? So now you have visibility that something is happening in that facility and you have that heads up that, hey, do I need to go act on this? And, you know, that's obviously shipper specific based off the contracts we have in place, but we can, you know, help give that visibility instantaneously. So it's not a, to your point, three week surprise, here's, here's your detention bill. Right. And, you know, I should clarify, detention happens, and I think we should do everything we can to prevent it. And I'm not against drivers getting detention. I'm all for that. I think what we should all work is, let's make sure we don't have that happen. But when it does happen, it just has to be communicated quickly. That is one of those things that sometimes in the past it hasn't. And it's not just detention. It's any additional accessorial that it's a nasty surprise if it doesn't come. It's always, nobody wants to hear that. That does not age well. So when you get it, Three weeks after the fact, you go, what the hell? Are you sure this even happened? <laughs> right? And so I like the fact that you guys have that instant. Well, anyway, talk a little bit about the technology and how you can use that tech to prevent some of these problems. Yeah. So as part of kind of the app use that our carriers do, as part of closing out the shipment, they take a picture of the BOL and it immediately gets uploaded. So as a shipper, you have access to that. It's a requirement, again, to the quick pay incentive that we talked about that gets done within 24 hours. The, the flow itself is built in such a way that that happens kind of as part of completing out that shipment. So it's relatively instantaneous to get those documents uploaded for visibility and access for the shipper. But more importantly is, okay, the shipment happens, you get your stuff done. Most of the time, it's just kind of forgotten about at that point. But to your point of like, how do we improve and, and go forward on this? We really think about what we call facility insights. So how do we take all the historical data at that location and provide visibility back to the shipper and, and those individual facilities of like how things are going? Like, hey, on Tuesday afternoons, for whatever reason, you have really high detention, right? That could be a staffing problem. We want to be able to provide that level of detail back to the shipper so that they can improve their operations and reduce kind of overall fees from their perspective as well. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah, and again, to preface all this, 
communication is really, truly the game changer in our business. And now everybody agrees communication is important. Now it's a matter of how do we communicate? Do, are we doing it all with technology? Or are we all doing it with people? And I think you said something when we were talking about this is it depends what it is. If it's a human activity, it's something that a human can do better than technology, by all means, use a human. And if it's something that is ideal for technology because it's mundane or tedious or routine, then you automate it. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. So, Mitch, please summarize this topic for us. You know, summarizing this is, to your point, communication throughout the shipment lifecycle is key to making this industry run. It can be a little bit clunky at times. It can be non-standard at times via TMS, phone, email. But really, it's all necessary and required to make this stuff happen and make kind of this industry keep moving. But most importantly is how can we improve it for everyone involved in that life cycle? The shipper, the facilities, the carrier, everyone moving that freight to just reduce waste throughout the ecosystem. And so we really want to take technology, help humans do more with what they have with the tools in front of them. How do we remove the stuff that can be removed via automation so that we can speed up those transactions, reduce the churn back and forth, and make everyone more efficient? Nice, nice. I like it. So, Mitch, what's going on over at Convoy? Tell us a little bit about what you're doing there. Yeah, so as we talked about, we're always trying to improve things and deliver new experiences, features for our customers, and make sure that we're servicing everyone to the best of our ability and, and disrupting the industry as much as we can. So right now, you know, we're, we're offering new customers $3,000 off their first 10 shipments to the end of the year. They can you know, get an instant quote for that by going to www.convoy.com slash book a truck. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to work with you. And we'd love to become a, a great partner for you. Nice. So you go to that and the quote is $2,000 that automatically I get $200 off? Yeah. Nice. Nice. Blow that money on food and shelter. <laughs> cool. Mitch, this has been great. I really do appreciate you coming on and taking the time. And everybody in the space knows Convoy. You guys are doing some great things. And I really appreciate you coming on and telling us a little bit about those things you're doing. Absolutely, Joey. It was a pleasure. I really appreciate you having me. Thank you so much. And thank all of you for coming on my podcast. Your support is very much appreciated. Until next time, onward and upward. You've been listening to the Logistics of Logistics podcast, where we engage in conversations with experts in the logistics field. If you're an expert and would like to be featured on the Logistics of Logistics podcast, please email Joe Lynch at joe at the logisticsoflogistics.com. <laughs>